Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today we are back. Uh, Jason and I are back on another episode uh, of the podcast. Today is going to be a little bit of a special episode. We, have not, uh, we haven't done a, uh, an interview in quite a while. And today we're interviewing a special friend, uh, especially of Jason. He's right down the road from us in Denton, and we'll introduce him in just a moment. But today we're talking about a book that he has written in the last couple of years. And I think that this episode will be very interesting for you uh, as the listener. And this is also coming out in our Missions Emphasis Month. Of the month of February, have we, we have been promoting our Great Commission offering here at the at the church. We've talked about several missionaries, um, and uh, Brother Mac Tomlinson is here today with us. He was with us on Sunday, I believe the 18th, uh, here uh, in our morning service, and uh, we're excited to have him. So, Jason, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, um Duffy, it's a privilege to be with you and be with our friend Mac, and I'm excited about the topic we're going to be talking about, uh, David and John Brainerd. Yes. And um, the book that is been, been has been written by, by Mac is entitled The Indomitable Brainerds, The Gospel Legacy of David and John Brainerd's Mission to the Indians. And so this is right up my alley. I love history, love church history, love secular history, uh, love the story of the gospel going forth to the nations. And this is uh, going to be a fun episode. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And Jason, I remember when you showed me this book for the first time, I said, that is like the best book title I've ever seen. Yes. It's a fantastic book title. Yeah. Indomitable. It means um, impossible to defeat. And I remember also, I, th- I misquoted the title yes. to you, and I said, The Abominable Brainers? That doesn't <laughs> sound very appealing. Shelf appeal. But uh, all joking aside, we're excited to have Brother Mac Tomlinson. He's from Providence Chapel in Denton, Texas. Brother Mac, welcome to the podcast with us. Oh, thanks. It's f- already fun to be with you guys here this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Actually, when my wife heard the title, she thought, it meant abominable, <laughs> and she called me out on it. And I said, "No, honey, the publisher chose the final version of the titles, and that's a good word, indomitable." So it's good to be with y'all today. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Well, I we're going to be talking about the book, and but the book is about two men um, in American history that one of them is well known, especially within the world of uh, Christian missions, and one is almost unknown. Um, that's what he's arguing for. Uh, Mac has brought his story back to life for us, and this is John Brainerd. And so, but before we jump into that book, uh, again, this episode is in our, uh, this is serving the purpose for our church's missions month. So, um, Brother Mac, you came and spoke to us this past Sunday on the 18th. Um, This is something near and dear to your heart. Just talk to us a minute about um, missions and 
uh, your involvement, and you can kind of share kind of how uh, your ministry, your life has been involved in this. This will be your time to to give me a little bit of some some biography from your own life, but also just the realm of missions as we get our conversation started today. Yeah. Well, I became a believer in the summer of 1973. As a 19-year-old, I was in junior college. And the next year, I went to the Rocky Mountains of Colorado with the uh, Home Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, had the opportunity to engage in evangelism among young people. Um, And so even then, I realized outside of the Texas Bible Belt, Colorado Rocky Mountains, a lot of unchurched people, a lot of lost people, and so in those early years of a, being a Christian, in the early 70s, missions just became real to me at that elementary level. And then <clears throat> after college, I went to the Middle East, studied all one summer, and was able to share the gospel with a lot of Israelis and, and secular Jews. Uh, and so I was kind of on my way to appreciating missions then I got into reading missionary history and uh, I was hooked and so um, probably 22 years ago through with a mission friend of a mission agency I began to go to Eastern Europe regularly and uh, and then the South Sea Islands and Fiji and remote Alaska and and pagan Eastern and Western Canada into Mexico and I just began to see the great need for world missions increasingly and so obviously the re- the reason missions is important is because number one uh, we live in a fallen lost world full of lost people who are separated from God through through the fall, and um, this is why the Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem a sinful world, and then he gives his disciples the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So missions is important because Christ commanded it, and every church has that commission, and because we live in a lost world where Christ wants to save sinners. Well, I, I also could add to that, Maximum, your thoughts, because number one, missions are, are important because men are depraved. Uh, not only that, but God has ordained to save some. Um, number three, because the church, as you said, has the same commission, and also because hell is real, and because the salvation of sinners brings glory to God. Um, and as you said in the sermon that we were privileged to be able to to hear and be challenged by, um, all the nations are not worshiping yet. All the nations uh, should ultimately worship Christ, and they're not there yet. So there's there's a lot of different reasons, theologically, biblically, for us to be involved in missions. And uh, the way that God has used your life and the way that God has worked through you to stir that within you, Mac, is still um, being uh, 
used by the Lord to influence others. And so here we are even today recording this episode uh, because of the work of the Lord in you and your desire and your heart for missions. Absolutely. So we want to we wanna take us back in time when we're talking about the, uh, the life of David Brainerd, the life of John Brainerd, and even the life of uh, Jonathan Edwards comes into play. These names, um, what time frame are we talking about for the person who has no clue, who's never read uh, Brainerd's journal? Um, let's, let's start there. What are we talking about? Are we talking about American missions, um, you know, European missions? Um, just give us kind of an introduction there for us, Matt. We're talking about the 18th century, which would have been, for the Brainerds, the mid-1700s, 1740s especially, 1730s and 40s was when really the first great awakening in America was happening. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield was coming regularly, and so that's the time period of the 18th century. All right. In your book, uh, that we are talking about, the indomitable Brainerds. You write in the introduction, Mac, the names of David and John Brainerd could easily have been forgotten with 100 years of their deaths if Jonathan Edwards had not published the diary and journal of David soon after his passing. Edwards prepared and edited the young missionary's personal writings and gave them to the church in his generation and to all future generations. And, of course, that, that book, probably the most well-known of Edwards' writings, and he wrote a lot of good book, probably the greatest American theologian that America's ever produced. But, but the life and diary of the Reverend David Brainerd is probably, of all the books that Edwards wrote, would have been the most popular. And that's the book that has absolutely influenced, changed encourage more missionaries and missions probably than any other book that's been written. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Um, Edwards interrupted some things he was writing because he said, this story is so phenomenally important that I've got to get it in print. And so uh, there were many, many future missionaries they were influenced by it. Right. John and Charles Wesley, for instance, said, uh, John Wesley said, every one of our Methodist preachers must read this wow. journal. Uh, Jim Elliott was phenomenally uh, impacted by it. Henry Martin, who later became a phenomenal yes. missionary, he was impacted by the the journal and diary of, of David Brainerd. So it... This big ripple effect, it began to create waves of influence moving forward um, after David's death. David's life impacted world missions for for 200 years now, um, long after he had died. His big influence came through his death and not while he was alive. So... Yeah, and that's interesting that sometimes the Lord works providentially that way in the lives of his people. Some of them throughout history have have lived, they've loved him, they've loved people, and they've they've worked um, in the kingdom. And then only after they have died, someone has seen the value of their life's labors and works, and they are uh, 
uh, brought to the brought to a spotlight level um, long after they've lived, and they were really nobodies, you know, on the world standards while they were alive. Um, but the Lord, in His in His ways, um, sometimes does that. And to bounce off of what Mac was just saying, John Wesley uh, once said. Fine preachers of David Brainerd's spirit, and nothing can stand before them. But without this, what will silver or gold do? What can be done to revive the work of God where it is decayed? His answer, let every preacher read carefully over the life of David Brainerd. Robert Murray McChain read the life of David Brainerd and wrote that he could not express what I think when I think of Brainerd. Tonight, I am more set upon missionary enterprise than ever. Um, one that another book that you wrote was uh, the life of Leonard Ravenhill, and Leonard Ravenhill, a great evangelist, and he was influenced greatly by Brainerd's diary. He read it and cried because he th- he thought, remember how he was so impacted by the way that Brainerd prayed, that Leonard Ravenhood thought, if I could pray like that, the difference that I could make. Yeah. Well, Ravenhill was around 20 years old when he said that, I think. And he became a man of prayer that was almost unbelievable. He ended up praying realistically, not in one solid stretch, but... He prayed five to eight hours a day, Ravenhill did, for for 60 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so the seeds of his prayer life were David Brainerd's life. Right. Well, take us into, we want to we highlight a little bit of um, the unknown Brainerd, as you have brought him back to life a bit with your book, uh, John Brainerd. So David Brainerd, uh, three years of, of ministry hard ministry, um, painstaking ministry. He dealt with all kinds of, of health issues and, and depression. So let's let's discuss a little bit of um, his brother John and kind of the baton that he picked up um, in the in the in the wake of his brother's passing. So let's move into into talking a little bit about John Brainerd. Yeah. Well John was two years younger than David and so David goes to the Indians after he actually was expelled from Yale College unjustly um, and didn't know what he was going to do. So um, an organization called the Society for the Promotion of Christian Knowledge, based in Scotland, but they had an office in New York City by this time. They were a mission agency. They They sent David to the Indians, and so he goes... And he has three years at three different Indian missions in New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. And then the last year, he's the tuberculosis is beginning to take his life. So the Indian work is established. <clears throat> and at this time, John had graduated Yale and had been to visit the work. They were very close brothers spiritually. And so David, he was biased, but he was objectively accurate, recommended John to the organization, mission agency, 
for John to replace him. Interesting. So John goes the year David's dying and replaces John as a missionary among the Indians. Um, and then uh, within a few months, uh, David dies at Jonathan Edwards' home. Now, before we get too far down this road, um, what part of the United States is this? For those who may not be know, would this be uh, Central United States? Is this up in the uh, the New England area? Where where are we talking here? Well, not New England. They grew up in New England. We're talking New Jersey, uh, New York, and Pennsylvania. Okay, were the three Brainerd Indian missions. They did. They get, did get moved around because of the government that early moving the Indians, kind of kicking them out of an area unjustly. And by this time, John was their pastor. He was a church planter and more organized than David. And John was with them three to four decades. So he's a missionary pastor. And so they got moved around a lot. Uh, but basically... Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. As the American colonists were were continually moving west, taking more and more land, um, it was moving the Indians. So that wherever the Indians would have to move to to give up their lands to the white people, then the the mission would have to go there to where the Indians were. So you can imagine the um, distrust and resentment that the yeah. Indians had toward the white people. Rightly so, and at and some level. Right. It was so difficult to, mm. you know, and here these white missionaries are going and asking these Indians to believe in this white man's God. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was not an easy work um, mentally, uh, emotionally. Um, there was all kinds of different um, prejudices against uh, not only the the white man himself, but certainly against the spiritual reality of God. Right. And there's an important thing to realize because of that. The Brainerds were young, 20-year-old white men who would ride their horses into an Indian village uninvited, unannounced, in a day when the Indians were already hating crooked white men, traders, or, and it was the white people that got them hooked on alcohol so they for the most part they didn't trust them and David or John could have easily been killed by the Indians well I was thinking someone may have I have no doubt that someone that knew them probably thought you guys must have a death wish this is crazy what are you what are you guys doing we know that the gospel is important but (laughs) you're gonna lose your life yeah you know I can they, imagine. They were given favor, just divine favor, mm. in all their missions because David and John at times were with a group of Indian men. Some of them were, may have been drunk. They were savages, and they wanted to kill each of them. And other Indian Indians said, no, the white man has been kind to us. We're not going to do it. So they would be spared every time. And it reminds me, I, I know enough about it. I've read actually the biography of John Payton, and it reminds me a little bit of the Im, the imminent danger always present yeah. during uh, John Payton's life in the islands that he was uh, ministering to. Um, it was 
always a danger that right. something could turn on a head, turn on a dime, and his life could be in danger. And it was often multiple times a month or weeks um, that he was ru- <laughs> he was at the same time running from them, but trying to preach to them. Yeah. <laughs> at the same, so it's well, just you, an amazing you think thought. About, you think about a normal week, things might have been quiet, whether for John G. Payton or David or John Brainerd, they could be going to sleep in their hut or their their log cabin. Any night they laid down to sleep, they knew and then Ned could come and spear them to death. So they were men of amazing courage and faith and steadfast commitment that they weren't going to leave and run. When both David and John were offered good pastorates in the churches in New Jersey and New York, but they said, no, we're called here. I think one of the differences between David and John uh, was the obvious health differences with David had tuberculosis, and, and John didn't seem to have as many health issues, even though in that day, health issues were were pretty common. Right. There were all kinds of diseases and, and all kinds of ailments, and there wasn't... Uh, Advil that you could take so right you know it was uh, not a, always a comfortable life but I think that was one of the main di- major differences between John and David and I also think that the longevity obviously made a difference in John being able to to minister to those Indians and his his diary writing was minimal compared to David's right very minimal yeah. right and I think it, again God in his providence used David's journals to make the great influence that it has had, uh, whereas John's ministry was that 30 to 40 years of, of just being with those Indians, and there's the, it's innumerable. We, we, we don't know how many of those would have come to salvation right. because of his faithfulness. Yeah. But the, the the other thing that was probably pretty common between those two was the fact that um, the travel on horseback, uh, the way that when I read the book, and I I not knowing exactly the uh, the map, but knowing enough of the geography that these are long distances that both of these men were riding, and it seemed like that they would go back to. New England to be ordained or report to the mission board or whatever they were where they were doing they would go to other people's ordinations and they would ride back and forth in countless numbers on, of hours on the horseback yeah I think too you know um, John uh, John was married whereas David never did tell us a little bit about the the supposed uh, romance that uh, David uh, had. Yeah, well, he had gotten he had gotten close to Jonathan Edwards because David Brainerd was wrongly expelled from Yale, and Edwards had been was a graduate of Yale. As and in those days, you could only be a pastor if you were a graduate of Harvard, Yale, or well, Harvard then Yale then later Princeton or European University. So when David was unjustly expelled over a private thing he had said to a roommate, 
in passing, it was a critical remark that he later regretted and apologized for, but somebody reported it to the authorities, and the Yale um, leaders decided they were going to make an example out of David. And they did. They expelled him, even though he had apologized. And so this so offended the Yale alumni around New England and New York that they said, uh, this is grievous. We have to start another college. And so they started Princeton because of David Brainerd's expulsion. Princeton came into existence. So David, had, from then on, David was close to Jonathan Edwards. Edwards realized the treasure there was in Brainerd's life. And, the, and once there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the third Indian mission, that became legendary. David was by then a legend, but he was dying of tuberculosis. So he had been to visit the Edwards more than once, but he, he had become so close to Jonathan Edwards, he rides to Edwards' home, and he's there for a number of weeks dying. And so Jerusha Edwards, by this time 16, 17 years old, became his nurse, and they became very close. Well, here's where history has remained a mystery. History can be a mystery <laughs> because uh, the language between them in letters and even that Edwards records was very intimate. Like David said one place at the end, Oh, Jerusha, I can, uh, I can bear to part with you. I can bear to part with you because I'm going to be with Christ. Well, that's not what you say when you're a 28-year-old to a 17-year-old girl who's just your nurse. And so, but, so, in essence, Thomas Brainerd, David, John's biographer, he stated that they were officially engaged. There's another 18th century word for it. I don't remember the word. It's in the book, but... But then modern scholarship from George Marsden, who wrote a phenomenal biography on Edwards, to Ian Murray and others, they say, I was only, it's only a fictional romantic narrative. There's no, Edwards never said anything about it. And therefore, it's probably just legend. But, so I address it this way. Uh, it could have been, it may have been, we don't know, but what we do know is a father, Jerusha died six months after David, and uh, Jonathan Edwards let Jerusha accompany David on his last couple of trips before he actually died. And so, Jonathan said nothing about their relationship. So my argument was, why would Edwards go public about an intimate thing of an engagement or a romance that never came to fruition? Why, you didn't, it, New England was proper etiquette in those days. You didn't divulge private family matters. So I said, 
if if I had had a father, if I'd been a father and my daughter was engaged to a young man, I wouldn't write about it publicly. So um, heaven will reveal if they were engaged or romantically involved or not. Right. So. Well, well that's that, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little side note that we just chased a little um, – hopefully a wedding of the appetite for the book even though the full story is not written in this book you can you can uh, get a taste for it as as you said so going back to john john retires um from the indian mission work in 1765 um this is before the the um um declaration of independence um the colonies are still attached to britain so in 1765, John retires. What what does he do after his retirement from the Indian work? Well, the Indians had dispersed by then, and they weren't staying together as as uh, tribes. They migrated to the north or to the northern states. I think Wisconsin, maybe the Dakotas, some into Canada, and so he didn't have an Indian flock to shepherd anymore. So he he uh, basically lived a couple of places. Um, I think Massachusetts is one, and um, oh, my memory fails me. Where he ended up, he planted a church or two in New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey, and then another location, <clears throat> and he he became a church planter, and he preached and pastored and evangelized. And he took trips when he would hear about some Indians somewhere. He would go to them and, and maybe stay a few weeks. And, but he basically was a church planter in the final years of his life and apparently a, a phenomenal pastor. And, and one, uh, Aaron Burr Jr., who became the future vice president of America, his wife said... I would rather hear John Brainerd preach than anyone. Now we got to remember these the Brainerd brothers they were scholarly. They could read the Greek New Testament for morning devotions. They were theologians par excellence. They were powerful preachers. White men from would come widely to hear David or John preach. So these weren't little guys who were just, you know, backwoods missionaries. They were they were men among men. They were gifted leaders. And um, so, yeah, John lived out probably his final 10 to 12 years just as a church planner. And he started an Indian school. Did he, is that right? He started. Yeah, an well, school? actually, a man named Eliezer Wheelock was a, a uh, among the the Presbyterians of the day, out of Yale. And Wheelock, along with John, started an Indian school for the training of and education of young Indian men. And then that school got moved, and it became Dartmouth University. Interesting. So the Ivy League schools owe a lot to the Brainerds. At least Princeton came from David's expulsion. Dartmouth came from John's starting along with Wheelock, an Indian school 
That's a fascinating yeah. little piece of history yeah. there. Well, the uh, one of the things that we want to do to wrap up the episode is to look at the legacy of both David and John. And you write in the book, Mac, the essence of David's legacy is this. His holy life and sacrificial example stirs the church of Christ heavenward. Even to the present day, he lives on as a rebuke to soft and selfish living and encourages every believer to pursue the lasting joys of knowing God with one holy passion. And that pretty much sums up David Brainerd's life. And when you read the um, the uh, biography of his life that Jonathan Edwards produced and and it has been around all these years. You 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 sense that. I mean, it comes out in the uh, diary and the way that he records and writes his thoughts and his feelings. And it and it does bring rebuke to your heart. And you're like, if if this is what it is to love Jesus, I'm far from that. And uh, you know, it just motivates you and encourages you. But then you write. John's legacy is different and often eclipsed by David's, even though John labored ten times longer than David among the Indians of the New World. John's legacy impacted the colonies for over a hundred years following his death, and indirectly even longer, as some of John's disciples founded what came to be the Ivory League universities and other schools that still exist. So that's what you were just talking about. So his life and work affected his trustee relationship with Princeton College for over 20 years, as well as his friendships with Aaron Burr, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Samuel Davies, and numerous others. But his, the thing is that what I think we can pick up as far as John's legacy and what I think comes out of the book is his perseverance under all the hardship, under all the difficulty, under the fact that the Indians had a lot of distrust and just his continued, he, he just kept plotting, just kept being faithful. And that's where I, I think the legacy is for John, whereas David is this bright, you know, meteorite type of life and it, it does burn conviction into you. And John's life is... Well, I need to be faithful. I need to just persevere no matter what the difficulty is, no matter how hard it is or becomes, just persevere to the end. And I I, I think that's the, the difference between the legacies. That's really good because we can learn something from both of their lives and ministries. One, with the white-hot passion that David had, even in the midst of of the, the ailments and all of the hardships that he endured, um, kind of that zeal. Um, but also with David to counterbalance that also had the zeal and the passion, but God gave him more uh, physical health and he was able to persevere. Like Jason said, I think both of those, both these brothers, we can learn and benefit from today. So I want to ask you a question just as we close, uh, Pastor Mac, really it's kind of twofold. Who is this book for? And then after you answer that for the person listening to the episode, maybe they're unfamiliar with David Brainerd, maybe they are familiar with David Brainerd, why should they consider reading this book? And this isn't just to toot your own horn for writing the book, but what, what's, the, what's the single, what's the kernel of impact that this book may can have uh, in a Christian's life? Well, it wasn't written for scholars, though I've had well-known pastors and 
and theologians tell me I didn't know anything about John Brainerd, so I guess it is for the academic world in some measure, or historians. But I wrote it for the body of Christ, for Christians to to learn this example of these two brothers who were sacrificial, courageous, faithful unto death, and that David, in his weakness, not only tuberculosis and weakness, but he was prone to chronic depression, severe depression. And it, it, it began to end toward the end of his life, but uh, David and John are examples of just two men, brothers like John and Charles Wesley, for instance, who served Christ in their generation with faithfulness, with courage, with gospel passion to live for their generation by doing the will of God. As Acts 15 says about David did that in the Bible. So I wrote it so Christians would be inspired to serve Christ in their generation, whether in missions or whether right where they live. That's good. And do you have maybe, both you guys, maybe just a closing pastoral word uh, for Believers Baptist here and just in our little small context of Raines County, our, our, most of our listeners will be in our area. Um, one closing final word for the episode, and then we can wrap it up. Well, I'll go okay. first before Pastor Jason uh, improves, improves it. I would just say believers need to have the courage to speak to others of Christ. Uh, it's been a long road for me to, to begin to do that more faithfully. I'm not there yet. But people all around us are dying without Christ. And people around us right now may be a year, five years away, three months away from death. What do we have to lose? What are we afraid of? We've got to speak to Christ about people around us. And that's living out the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission and being faithful. Yeah. And Jason, as we're, you know, this is again uh, part of our missions month emphasis. You have a word to our congregation or folks that might be listening? I think the most, one of the things that, that, that most stands out to me when, when you read the stories of these uh, men and women that God used greatly, and think of the fact that John Brainerd's wife had to be involved in the same things that he was doing, and uh, it took a lot of courage. So we're not talking just about men only. We're talking about men and women. And um, what it does is for the people in Believers Baptist Church, it expands the story of redemption beyond uh, our little circle because it's so easy to get involved in our little circle of life. And it's not evil. It's not, that's just where God has planted you. And you have your life, you have your living, you have your family, you have your responsibilities and commitments and your entertainments. All that is fine. But we get so narrow focused that we forget that there are unnumbered people that are dying and going to a Christless eternity. And so it, it makes us think, when I read about David Brainerd or John Brainerd or um, Leonard Ravenhill or hear the experiences of a Mac Tomlinson, then, then it goes beyond me. It goes beyond my own little narrow slice of life. And I can think better and bigger about the gospel. Well, that's it for today's episode, and we thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. I know I can speak for both of these men that we hope that it's been a blessing to you today. 
couple of things as we end. Don't forget to like or share the podcast with someone that you think could benefit from it. Share it through text message or email or social media, however you share media. Please pass this along to someone. Um, And one last thing, you can always submit us a question or a topic through our website, bbcemory.org. Go to the media tab and there's a little box at the bottom that you can uh, share thoughts or a future podcast episode you'd like us to cover there. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.